want to continue on. I was talking about the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking about movements and what God's been doing in the earth. And our heart's desire here is we can't make a movement happen here in Augusta. Um, but we can certainly do all our all we can to prepare a way for that to happen. And, and God will do what he sees fit. But I want to be uh, right in the middle of what he's doing and be a part of things here. So we'll continue talking about the kingdom of heaven here. Uh, Matthew 3, verse 1. John the Baptist is the one that kind of first uh, mentions this. Uh, Matthew 3 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus, in Matthew 4, he, he keeps this going as he begins his ministry. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we, uh, the church world has done a good job of making the word repent a bad word. I mean, I don't think it's a word we really like. Uh, part of it may come from the street preacher, you know, on, on the corner screaming at, you know, you're going to go to hell, you need to change your ways, you need to repent. And, or we see the car with the big sign on, you know, repent, and all these you know, scriptures from Revelation or whatever. You know, it's just like in your face. And so I, I don't think it's a word we really like. But let's look at it, that same verse here in the, uh, the message uh, version here, paraphrase uh, of Matthew four seventeen. This Isaiah prophesied sermon came to life in Galilee the moment Jesus started preaching. He picked up where John left off. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. Jesus came to uh, introduce something new. He came to show us grace and truth. He came to show us what the Father was really like. He came to do the will of the Father. And so that word repent is basically saying, hey, embrace God, embrace his plan, embrace his ways, and I'm going to bring change for you like you've never seen before. And so it really is a positive, uh, life-changing thing to say repent. Uh, but Matthew uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven over 30 times in, the, in his gospel. And so what makes something a kingdom? And, and we don't really know about that. I think you know, the founding of our country, we rejected the whole idea of a king, and I understand that because of all that happened in Great Britain, and we wanted to do everything the opposite. We have our silverware opposite of, you know, everything of, of them because we just drive on the other side of the road. We, won't, we don't want to be like that. And so the whole concept of a king, we would, we, in this country, we really went a, away from that. We didn't want that. But if there is a um, godly king and a godly kingdom... It changes everything. And so when there, is, when there is a kingdom, there's royal authority, and it's vital for the success of that kingdom for there to be obedience to the authority. Now, God's pur- purpose is to build the kingdom. I talked about this last week, and I won't go into it. But I think here in the U.S., we've been more about building our kingdom. You know, and, the, you know, the whole marketing thing, our brand, um, 
you know, what we look like, what our building looks like. Um, it's very, a lot of it's very worldly. And it's all about attracting people based on, on looks and, and this and that, you know, coffee or food or this or this or, uh, or that. And, and, and if you're not careful, um, we can be about building our own kingdom. And I know about this because, I, I, you know, the people I used to run with, this is what we were about. And, and I, I would have said, that's not me, but I really, the things that I was doing was about that. And, and frankly, I'm just tired of all that. I'm tired of people promoting themselves, promoting their thing, making it about them, because the body of Christ, we're not, you know, we're about Jesus. We're not about elevating certain people to uh, a place that they really can't handle. But in, in a but anyway, so I want to build God's kingdom. And Good News Churches did not, you know, I believe in being a, a member of a church and a part of a church body, but uh, we should be for everybody in this city. We should be for the other churches um, and, and do all we can to promote the kingdom. It's, it's difficult to, to, to be a minister and a leader for, for, for the kingdom of God. And so let's be praying for our brothers and sisters. And, and if God chooses to do a movement here, it's going to be through a lot of people. And, and, and maybe people at this time that we may not even fellowship with or have dinner with. But, but he's going to work through a lot of different people, and I want to be, be there. And so we're going to have to let go of some of our banners. We're going to have to let go of some of our labels. And, 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 and be kingdom-minded. Now... So in order for a movement, movement to happen, we have to be kingdom-minded. And the way we enter the kingdom is found in Romans 10, verse 8. And, you know, and, 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 this used, and it still is something I'll share with uh, a lost person, unbeliever. It still is a great scripture to help someone, someone to know God and to come into to the kingdom. But there's so much more in Romans 10 that I think we, we see. And, and, and realize. So let me read it again. Romans 10, verse 8. Very familiar to this church. Um, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you can confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. One translation says confess Jesus as Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, this word Lord, you do a little study on it. It's the same word they, they, they used for Caesar back in the day when Jesus was walking the earth. Roman, Rome was the, the, the big uh, empire at the time. And, and it's interesting, Caesar Augustus saw himself as God. So it's very interesting you have the Son of God walking on the earth at the same time that a man is calling himself God and people are worshiping him. Uh, quite a uh, contrast. And so they're, they're using that word Lord for Caesar and, 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 and must have been um, uh, really stood out to people when people are calling Jesus Lord. I, I think that really messed with them. I don't think they're really... They probably didn't, a Roman wouldn't like it, and a Roman citizen wouldn't like it. There's only one Lord, that's Caesar. 
But this, this word, it's, 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 a, um, it's, it's the word master, it's the Lord possessor, it's the owner, it's the controller, it's the master of the state, the sovereign, the prince, it's, it's chief, it's a title of honor, it's a, 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 uh, a way of uh, uh, expressing respect and reverence, and it's a way that a servant would greet their master, and it is a title given to God and also to Jesus. So we enter the kingdom of God by making Jesus the Lord of our life. And so when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about the lordship of Jesus. He is the authority. He, uh, he is the center of the kingdom. And, and we're not talking about a territory, and we're not talking about land. The kingdom of God is in us. And, and we are ambassadors for him. And really the territory is the earth. The territory is the universe. And we represent the king wherever we go. But he is our Lord. And we are here to obey him. We are here to obey him in all areas of our life. And we don't get to pick and choose. Well, I'll obey him here and, and I won't here. No, we want him to be Lord in all areas. We want Jesus to be Lord in this city, in this church, in our businesses, in our homes, in our neighborhood. And as we grow as a Christian, it means that we progressively, and it's a progression. Even though when we're saved, we're born again, we're made a new creation, and we are changed on the inside, but... Um, the, uh, the flesh, the mind, is a process. It's really a lifelong process of transformation. Transformation doesn't happen just one time. It's, it happens throughout our lives. But growing as a Christian means progressively living out the lordship of Christ more and more, faithfully submitting ourselves to his will, not ours. A disciple is a student or an apprentice who learns under the direction of a master. And again, back then, they understood this more, the whole apprentice concept. Even the beginning of this nation, a lot more apprentice and working for someone. And, you know, it used to say, uh, you know, your business, father and son. Businesses were passed on to family. And we learned a trade. You learned a trade and, and you learned it from your, you know, those that were close to you. It was passed on. We don't really have an understanding of that. We're, we are so independent. We don't want to learn from anybody. We want to, as Frank Sinatra used to say, I want to do it my way. Well, let me just ask you this morning, where's that getting you? How's that working for you? Those areas where Jesus isn't Lord, how's that going? Uh, it's not. I'll just answer it for you. I'll just speak for you. It's not working. And for many of us, it's a big, fat mess. And that is not God's plan. And we live in a messed up world, but we don't have to have that in our lives, in our homes, in our church. And the more and more of us that uh, submit to the Lordship, 
the more and more influence we'll have on a community. In some areas, when they're having revival, you know, you read back in history, I mean, bars and other places were shut down. Policemen had nothing to do. No crime. The people of that community were changed. That can happen. I'm believing that could happen here. He can do it, uh, but, you know, do we believe it? Are we expecting it? Now, here, and, and, and here is the, 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 one of the issues of talking about Jesus as Lord. Uh, we have some military people here, and, you know, obviously when the commander gives you an order, you're going to carry it out whether you like it or not, whether you love the commander or not. I mean, it's your job to obey. And, and, and the Christian life can be like that, just a duty. But I don't believe that's the kind of lordship God's talking about here. Now, there is that submission. There is that, oh, I'm going to obey whether I don't understand. But I want to give you another side of lordship and talk about Jesus as the king in a different manner. And I got a particular scripture I want to share with you. And it's a kind of a longer passage. And let's look at Luke 7. Luke 7. This is some powerful scriptures here. Luke 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees, the Pharisees would be like a religious leader today, a preacher, minister, trained in the the scriptures and, you know, leads a group of people. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Jesus is so gracious. He eats with everybody. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Y'all know any sinners? Are we sitting next to any sinners? A woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, you don't need to have any thoughts in Jesus' presence. Don't think. (laughs) This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. See, Pharisees have nothing to do with sinners. Remember the story of of the Good Samaritan? different religious leaders. you got a man suffering over here, hurt, and they walk on the other side of the road. I can't get, you know, he's a Samaritan. I can't touch him. I can't get near him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Pastor Matt, just say it. All right, I'll say it. 
There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50 pieces of silver. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? See, he is a prophet. He perceives his thoughts. But he doesn't come out and just say it. He just, Jesus is amazing. Pulls out this story. Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water from my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to her, say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Ouch. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And see, you know, we're looking at this story and we have, we have degrees of sin. And we have like, oh, they, they're doing this and they're doing all that. I'm not like that. I'm not bad like that. And we kind of give us our credit for the way we live and we're better than them because we haven't done that. But Jesus is saying here, you know, it, it really doesn't matter whether it's 50 or 500. You can't earn it yourself. You can't be forgiven without God. You're lost. Both of them were in the same place. But the, the woman who knew her past and knew her life, I mean, she was grateful. She was loving. She had the basic just decency to treat Jesus in a special manner. And so I'll say to you, talking about the Lord Jesus, He is amazing. He is wonderful. He is everything. He is beautiful. And we serve Him because of what His life and what He's done for us. And to obey Him is is nothing. To want His will. And so when we're making Jesus the Lord of our life, I mean, and see, you have the Pharisee here. Uh, I, I know all that. And, you know, and I think sometimes our, our, our Christianity puffs us up. We're better than everybody else. We think we're better. The way we treat people, the things we say, oh, I'm not as bad as they are. I tell you, when, when you've let 
Jesus change your life and you receive his forgiveness, you live a life of gratefulness. And you're grateful. And, and because of that gratefulness, you treat people in a certain way. Because these are people that Jesus died for. I'm telling you, even someone that does you wrong, you treat them with love. You know, look at Jesus. They know not what they're doing. So when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, it means something. He's my Lord. Yeah, he saved me. And yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to hell when I die. And heaven is my home. But what about the kingdom of heaven right now? And there ought to be a transformation. And there ought to be a change. And there ought to be a way we, a different way we treat people and the way we live our lives. And we ought to live with joy. And we ought to live with gratefulness. He's our Lord. He set the example. Now, let's read Matthew 28 in light of what I just read. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the master of the universe. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And that word go means as you're going. Because we think in terms, well, I'm you know, going to go to Africa and going to go to here. And the Lord may lead you to go to those places. But we all go. Every day we go places as we go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the the age. It's my pleasure, Father, to be a part of this great commission. It's my pleasure to be your ambassador. It's, it's, It's an honor that you entrust me with this authority. It's, it's, it's thank you for health. Thank you for provision. Thank you for my family. Thank you for all that you've given me. Thank you for forgiveness of my sins. I deserved to die and go to hell for eternity. That was my destiny. That's what the devil intended. But thank God at 19, my brother Pat invited me to this meeting and I had other people witness to me that loved me and cared for me and they were talking about Jesus and I thought I had Jesus I didn't know what they were talking about but at 19 I went to that meeting and they preached the good news the gospel and I went forward that night and gave my life to Jesus and I just remember walking out of that room just changed the weight of the world lifted but you know, and that was many, you know, many years ago. But you know, I can still live my life that way, the way I felt that night when I was saved. I remember just standing out in the backyard and just looking up in Minnesota and 
and every just everything just seemed so amazing. God had changed me. God had saved me. God had forgiven me of my sin. Heaven was my home. And then I began to learn about this, this life in the kingdom of God. Now, have I always lived that way all those years? I mean, there's times I forget. There's times I, walk, I, I get prideful. There's times I, I, I do my own thing. But I tell you, I just, you know, coming back to this, what is this all about? This is about our master. This is about what he's done, his example, and to follow him. He's my Lord. I submit myself to him and to his will. It's not, it's not, it's not duty. It's not that I have to. It's not he's making me, he's not making me do it. I do it because I love him. I talked uh, last week about um, obeying the word of God. Talked about in the uh, American church, uh, we have a lot of knowledge. And we give ourselves credit for obedience because of the knowledge. But that, you know, and I shared a whole bunch of scriptures about if you love me, you'll obey my commands. You know, is he our Lord? Do we live our lives like he's our Lord? Are we living uh, each day for him? Are we living, we're bringing the kingdom of heaven wherever we go. I got a long passage for you. We've got a few minutes here. John 15. John 15 is amazing. Again, it's one of those um, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 in the book of John that Jesus shared at the Last Supper. It's like his last sermon, last messages, and man, he packed it in. John 15 is at the heart of it. And, and for people that are wanting to have God do something significant in their city, I mean, there's no better verses than right here. John 15, verse 1, I'm going to read from the message. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so that it will bear even more. I've had so much pruning in my life the last couple of years especially praying those dangerous prayers. And man, things are being pruned off and I'm just like, oh, you know, I may not come in pain, but thank God for the healing power. Comes in, brings healing. We're just letting go, letting go of my thing, letting go of my dreams, letting go of how I think it should be, letting go of how I want him to do it, letting go of just of my expectations of people. Lord, prune me. Prunes back so that it'll bear even more. You're already pruned back by the message I have spoken, the word, the word, the word. And again, not just knowledge, but letting the word go in. Let the word go in and be and, and do it. Hear and do. It's not complicated. Hear and do. I'd rather you read less and do more than hear a lot and do nothing. And give your credit, self-credit for, for having done because you heard. 
Live in me. Oh my goodness. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way, a branch can't bear grace by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Going back to his, he's our Lord. He's our master. He's our savior. He's our redeemer. He's our friend. He's our brother. I am the vine, you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. I just think the, the church, so much today, we're just kind of doing our own thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home with you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows you who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples, God wants us to grow. God wants us to mature. He wants us to grow up. We need people today that will grow up and take their place in the kingdom. that will start being a part of the solution of what this city and what this area and what this family needs, uh, your family. And, and, and so as you mature, I mean, and so you're going to have to <laughs> let go of some things. I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home. He talks a lot about homes. You know, the Bible talks about mansions. Homes all throughout the scriptures talking about home. He's talking for us to be um, home. You know, us being at home with God and God being in our home. And what would happen, what would happen if our homes reflected Jesus? What would happen in our homes if Jesus was the Lord? Boy, you know, we've got a lot of young couples, English and Houston, just got married. And how many other? Who's gotten married in the last couple of years here? Raise your hand. <laughs> there we go. There. Look at, look at the happy couple here. Youth is renewed like the eagles. But for all these young couples, you know, but imagine to live your life where Jesus is the Lord of your home. What would that home look like? How would we treat each other? Would it be a place to be served or would we serve others? What would the conversation look like in a home where Jesus is Lord? You know, he is love. He is grace. I think there'd be a lot of grace between each other. You know, and, and I, sometimes people look at minister, well, minister's got everything together. Well, I don't wake up and, uh, you know, angels put my pants on for me.
But people, you know, people think that, you know, certain people are, we're perfect, we have it all together. No, I mean, it's just by the grace of God. We all got flaws. We all have weaknesses. You're not going to make it together with, for anybody for any length of time if you don't show grace, if you don't overlook some things. And I'm not saying that, that we let just people be the, the worst possible person all the time. I mean, love should bring out the best in each of us. But, but our homes should be filled with grace. If he's our Lord and our master and we're impacted by him and we're becoming like him. And that, that grace home, that's a place where you want to be. That's a place where people want to gather at Thanksgiving and people want to gather at Christmas. And kids that are away want to come back to it's really something that I think the world longs for in all the movies and all the things they do. They long for that home of love. It's only in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. He's the only one that can come and change a man's heart and change a person's heart. That agape love, unconditional love. And so if, if we're talking about a, a, a movement of God in this city is going to have to be uh, his children taking their place and being who they're made to be and submitting to the lordship of Jesus and, and saying, hey, I'm laying, I'm laying my thing down. I'm not talking about prayer today, maybe uh, next week. But, you know, kingdom of heaven people, I mean, we're in prayer. We're in prayer talking to the Father. That's because it's a duty. It's because we want to be in his presence. And we need it. And people around us need it. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home. I've, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. It's noon, guys. Uh, people are heading to the restaurant already right now. We had a men's meeting here one time. There was about uh, 30-something of us there. And we are talking about the fatherhood of God. And I asked the people there who was raised in a home that had a presence of the father. Three people raised their hand. I was one of them. And so I, I know when we talk about the father, I mean, that may not be a great image for you. But I want to tell you, as we're in Christ, we've got a heavenly father. He wants to have a relationship with you. And if you didn't have a father or a mother, he's there. He will help. I've loved you. This is real love now, not the world's love. I've loved you the way my father has loved me. That love changed that woman so much so that tears just flowed and she washed his feet with his tears and kissed his feet. What's the last time you kissed somebody's feet? I'm not saying to do that. But I mean, I'm just saying the sentiment. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain intimately at home in my, in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. 
I've told you these things. Tori, you just talking about joy today? I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy. Jesus' joy might be your joy. Wow. And your joy, holy, mature. This is my command, love one another the way I have loved you. Boy, that's a, uh, some, take some meditation there. Love one another the way I have loved you. I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I am no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. Praise God. Let's stand, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Which one did you relate uh, more to, the Pharisee or the, uh, the sinner? Uh, have you forgotten today the forgiveness of God? Have you found yourself complaining or griping or maybe envious or jealous of somebody else and, 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 and God hasn't come through for me? All these different things. And it's just so sneaky. Have you forgotten when he, he saved you? And I know it's probably harder for some. I mean, I was saved at a, uh, a time of my life when I didn't want to live and such pain. And I know others um, came to Christ when they were younger. But I mean, the forgiveness is just as real. I just wanted you to challenge you to remember. And I, and I just also want to say this. God wants to do so much more in your home. So much more in your, your family. He wants to do so much more in this church if we'll, if we'll let him. Will we let him? He's got people in, a, in our world as we're going. He wants us to reach out to. And again, you don't have to know all these scriptures. You know, Martha made a cake. Use what you have. But it's not going to be one great preacher that's going to change this city. It's going to be a lot of us. Kingdom-minded. Obeying. Maybe falling down, making some mistakes, getting back up getting back at it. Everybody doing our part. The power of the body of Christ in this area. And let's be praying for our brothers and sisters. Let's be part of the solution. Let's be helping our brothers and sisters. If we can do things to help other ministries, let's do it. Thank you, Father. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we're just, we're asking you, Lord, to do something significant 
in the Augusta area. We're asking, Lord, for a movement here in this area. Father, that we may help us to be prepared for that. Show us the things we need to do. Lord, you said to us at the beginning of this church, throw out all your ideas about church and follow me. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to see clearly what you're saying to us and then how to implement that in this body. Lord, I pray for the people today. Would would they just let go of the junk and the stuff that's been holding them back, those barriers to moving forward? May they be removed, Father. May their eyes be opened and their ears be opened and their hearts open to you. And then, Lord, in that spot, speak to them. And, Lord, may this congregation and the people here, may we respond. May we be quick to obey. Lord, I pray for the families uh, and the marriages. Lord, let there just be that agape love. May there be that love and that joy and that peace in our homes. We're not giving place to the devil in our families. We're not letting division in our families. We're speaking the truth in love. We're not letting our homes be places of condemnation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your help. We look to you. We trust in you. We follow you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.